Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 223. If you're hearing us, that means we have successfully, or you've successfully, I'm not quite sure what the right tense for this is, you, you found us, you never lost us, the transfer has gone through, we're all good and happy, and yes, you're still listening. Awesome, thank you. Uh, because of our new hosting service, I'm aware of some of our new listeners, and apparently we have ones I didn't know about in Barbados, so welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast Network, the Something Wicked Studios Network. I don't fucking know what we're called. Welcome to the podcast. I also have learned that there's a town called Surprise out there. Make of that what you will. Alex, I expect a full workup of puns by next episode for this. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm ready for the task. Fair enough. Uh, yes, welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast. As always, I'm Charlie, a.k.a. Mordak, joined by... Henry, a.k.a. Nomad Har, a.k.a. Kraken Zero, and back this week from his leave, we have Alex, a.k.a. Mave Online. If you talk about the Shadow Realm, I will punch your throat through this podcast. Hmm. No, no, I'll call your dentist. You'll call my dentist? They've already ruined my mouth. What are they going to do now? They could ruin it more. Uh, that's true. Well, luckily for that, I can hide in the shadow room when he can't find me. <laughs> That's where dentists live, you idiot. Don't you know that? They're beings of the shadow realm. <laughs> dentists aren't born, they're made. They're made They're they're made in the shadow realm? In the shadow realm. Huh. I had no idea, but now I know. Well, yes, I'm back. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad to be back, I will say. Yeah. It, the... Uh, the mouth stuff sucks, and I'm so glad I never have to have... I don't have any more wisdom teeth in my head to have to worry about, so that's nice. Yeah. That's what you think, but I'm going to start putting wisdom teeth in your mouth in your sleep that they have to take out. That's some nightmare fuel-sounding shit right there. You just wake up with more teeth in your mouth? Yeah! That's uh, I get back to you for all your Shadow Realm jokes about breaking your house, not like murder you, just be like, ha-ha! I'll use this stone to regrow your wisdom teeth, motherfucker! They're going to grow yeah. back wrong <laughs> and worse. <laughs> Enjoy having all your baby teeth back, you nightmare person. Oh, God, that would be like a fate worse than death. That not, is not, not worse hard. than death, like wake up with a full mouth of normal teeth and your baby teeth and then have to have all the baby teeth fall out again. Some nightmare fuel shit, man. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this. What the fuck, man? <laughs> I've been reading way too much SCP Foundation lately. <laughs> Do not Jeez. read that stuff before you go to bed. You think about stuff like waking up with a mouthful of baby teeth in addition to your normal teeth. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm good. I am good. Yep. Well, you know, if you play enough control, that kind of leads you down the path of, huh, I heard about this SCP thing that was related to it, and then you read a lot of SCP. I... Uh, maybe we'll get into it for these weeks, but like, I chose this week to open my brain up to the SCP Foundation because I found a YouTube station that they're just, their whole thing is they go through and they read the SCP Foundation reports to you and have, like, borderline low-effort, like, color stuff, uh, picture stuff to go along with it. So it's the easiest way to ingest maximum SCP Foundation. And you shouldn't do that. You should not binge the SCP Foundation. You just shouldn't. I do. I hop on there and I'll do the random... Like, there's a little link that you will just take you to. Oh, no, I'm talking like eight hours SCP. a day of SCP Foundation. 
Maybe, yeah, that's probably too much. Yeah, just in the background while you're working, just SCP Foundation reports being read to you by some monotone German person that's like, yeah, that's... In, this, in this file for the SPCP Foundation, we talk about the shy guy. The shy guy, and you're like, oh god, no! Yeah, that's that's going to seep into your subconscious when you just have it going that long. Yep, I'm not actively trying to make myself go insane, I promise. I just make poor life choices. <laughs> Because uh, we're kind of in on it, I had a pretty light week this week. Um, I finally reached the point where I felt comfortable uh, ordering the new Assassin's Creed game, uh, Valhalla. Partially because I am... Um, so Ghost of Tsushima Legends came out, which is that multiplayer mode for that game we talked about. And I had a lot of fun with that, but also that then got me back into playing Ghost of Tsushima. And I think I'm ready for another kind of like collect-a-thon open world game and I'm much more of a sucker for Vikings than Samurai at the end of the day. I it's it's weird. The multiplayer for Ghost of Tsushima makes me like single player Ghost of Tsushima more, mostly because it makes me really appreciate how good the combat in that game is. Like it it, it it's everything I like about that game, minus the kind of inconsistent story plot and also it made me get really good at the combat really quickly again to play the multiplayer, so it wasn't this weird, like, diving back in and being just ass at the combat again. I I also swear they tinkered with that thing and maybe made the parry window bigger in the single-player campaign. I don't know. I, it's, I haven't played that game in, like, a month, and I'm somehow better at it than I was previously, so who knows, but... Yeah, uh, Legends, it's cool. Um... Ah, uh, no one should play that thing long term. It's got a raid coming out in a couple weeks, I huh. think. Which I don't yeah. know how that will work because th- that game is l- that that game mode is like one step up from being multiplayer Dynasty Warriors in some ways. I yeah, I, I guess I can't break down the details. There's two modes to it as of right now. There's the story mode, which as you go in kind of playing doubles with a, um, it's two players, best I can tell. There's three difficulties to it. The silver and gold are probably what you actually want to play on. The bronze one's way too goddamn easy. You're playing through kind of stories of the Super... So that, that's that's the coolest part of this game. I know when we first talked about Ghost of Tsushima, I kind of griped on how I wanted more supernatural bullshit in that game. Turns out they were saving all the supernatural bullshit for the multiplayer game, and it's all there. Like, all the Oni stuff you'd want, all the Tengu shooting crows out of their mouth bullshit, that's there. Like, it's it's neat. The game also kind of has a horror vibe to it. It's all, like, the sky is red, and there's just, like, corpse trees everywhere, and, like, PT-style just bodies floating around in the air, and just hearts up in the sky for no reason. Except for that's like the, that's the story you're in. It's it's really weird. You're playing a ghost, and not like a ghost in the main game. You're playing a literal ghost. You're playing a legend of Tsushima, like a some badass from history, and you're technically playing someone retelling a story about their adventures in the spirit realm. And it's kind of neat as a result of that. Um, it's got some problems. It's got. The other mode is survival, and survival is where you kind of see the problems of the game come full bear. So there's four classes. There's the Ronin, Samurai, Hunter, I think, or Archer, I'm not quite sure what it's called, and the Assassin. And three of those four classes are really great. 
and one of those classes got done dirty, and it's the Ronin, because they're the support class, and until you get to higher difficulties, they're completely fucking useless. Uh, the cla- it, Each one of the kind of the classes has class abilities. They have an ultimate. The Ronin's one is they can mass-resurrect people, and at the lower difficulties, no one dies ever, and you have to put a lot of skill points in to get to... Oh, it now heals people in addition to resurrecting them, or like lights every enemy around, around an enemy on fire. Then it's useful, but then you're like your your less powerful one is so you can either drop a healing pot down, or you can summon a ghost dog, and the ghost dog is super useful to the point where kind of wish the ghost dog was the ultimate, and the secondary was healing pot or the resurrection thing. Like the resurrection thing is too situational to be good. Especially compared to the other ones where the Samurai's one is you're slowly leeching life from all the enemies around you, or you go into, like, Berserker or three-hit kill mode. And they're mm. actually a lot of fun to play. Like, if Hunters is you have, like, super shot stuff. I haven't played that class, so I don't know. Assassins are appropriately kind of sneaky poison bombs and all that jazz, and they'll uh, disappear into smoke stuff. I... Overall, it's fun. All the classes at a base level play the same. It's the same sort of attacks. The gear you actually have, all the gear that matters is across all your characters, so when you start a new character, you actually have access to all your high-level equipment. You just don't have any of the kind of stat-boosting stuff unlocked for that class yet, so it does speed progression up some, but there's one really big part of it that sucks, and it's that um, the cosmetics for each class are weirdly limited, and you can't put a straw hat on a samurai because the samurai class item are the samurai helmets, and the Ronin class item is a beautiful collection of badass straw hats. And I think that personally sucks because I I don't think a lot of the samurai helmets in Ghost of Tsushima look all that cool at the end of the day. I. I don't think lots of the more ornate samurai helmets in real life look all that cool in some ways, too. Like, the the glowering mask kind of, like, floppy bucket helmet thing, I think's neat, but then, like, in this game, they go a little bit ridiculous, where it's like a full circle of lightning above your head for the mask, and it's just like, this is too far and a little bit too dumb, and I'd rather just have a straw hat, but you can't do that. And it's weird, because they don't do anything, they're purely cosmetic, they're just kind of denote your character as... X, which I get, but when every other class's one is the Assassin's one are different masks to your character, and they're all fantastic. Like, it's the it comes down to personal preference. The Hunter one is, or the Huntress, Archer, whatever her name is, whatever her class name is, she has, like, a flag on her back, and those, like, they're not cool-looking, but they're not, like, attractive. A lot of the cooler, a lot of the higher-end samurai ones just look goofy in a way I don't think looks great, and I don't know, it's it could be better, especially because like the masks, for the most part, your your character can wear a mask, except if they're the assassin, then that's the class item kind of thing, are all unlocked through the single player mode, so there's a bunch of cool stuff you can put on your face. I don't quite get why the other non-game impacting cosmetics can't be interchanged from character to character, but whatever, I guess. It's it's fun. I, it's, it's fun in the same way that like, Uncharted's multiplayer was, where it's like, it exists, if you're into this, you're going to be super into it, but also, like, no competitive scene should exist for this game. It's just fun, and you get to see a bunch of dumb moments of, like, four samurai grappling hooks swinging around a survival map, which 
is one of the most immersion-breaking dumb things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's also kind of like laugh-worthy of like, man, four people in like heavy armor just grapple hooking around off these sky hooks like Spider-Man. Like oh, that's dumb, but funny. Yeah, I it got me back into playing the main game, and I do enjoy that main game more than the multiplayer. I'm learning. I it's I saw a bunch of articles about like, oh, I'm gonna play the shit out of this multiplayer. I don't know how you do that. There's not that much multiplayer there to play the shit out of. Like, I got through, I want to say almost the entirety of the story mode for it, admittedly on the lowest difficulty, because you have to level up kind of through it once. In the span of a three-hour stream, I want to say, like, it's not, there's not a lot there, and I'm not sure there's not a lot of, there's, there's really no reward for putting more time into it, except, like, gear for the characters you're playing like if it spilled back into the main game in some way i'd be more interested in it potentially but i've not figured that one out yet like the the biggest kind of weird thing about the main game now is that all over the map there are icon points for legendary storyteller and i thought that was a new quest they'd added at some point i know that's how you access the multiplayer lobby so you you can swap back and forth relatively easily, which I guess is kind of cool, but also I was surprised by. Like, when you exit Legends, you go directly back into the single-player mode. Hmm. Which I wasn't totally prepared for the first time I did it, but also it's kind of a, eh, whatever. Yeah, I, it's... I, I'm looking forward to new video games, I think, at this point. Like, I've been playing a lot of the same stuff for a while. Beyond Light is on the horizon, Valhalla's on the horizon... Cyberpunk's on the horizon. I'm ready for new games, I guess, again. Like, I really kind of played the shit out of the stuff I've had lately. Like, I have, I, I completed the hard part of the uh, Outbreak Perfected quest in Destiny, so I really have no reason to be playing that game anymore. I got Forerunner. Yeah, the, the, the reasons I had to be playing Destiny at this point in the kind of month we have left are zero, so it's kind of a, yeah, let's catch up on some stuff I've had back burner for a while. Yeah. What have you two been up to? Um, well, other than uh, recovering from tooth pain, I did play some of the WoW pre-patch stuff. Uh, How is Shadowlands? Well, Shadowlands, it's just a pre-patch. It's not the actual Shadowlands expansion yet. Well, this is all the Shadowlands uh, are getting until next year, so. Yeah, potentially. Um, it's alright. I mean, uh, it's it's a pre-patch, so, you know, the new systems are in place, and or some of the new systems are in place for the most part, and they're enjoyable. So I saw a ton of articles proclaiming, like, the Shadowlands pre-patch changes everything. How hyperbolic is that? Because it sounds like, from you, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. Mechanically, it does. Oh, so um, what's it do? There are, there are a lot of things that, like... Like, for example, Enhanced Shaman got a complete rework uh, compared to the previous ones, so... Their their new rework is in place. Um, so there's stuff like that. And so that makes a big difference as far as, you know, certain characters compared to others. Um, I play a rogue now. That's going to be my main going into Shadowlands. So um, I think the fact that there's no more corruption and having to worry about farming that shit out is finally nice because, God, I fucking hated the corruption system. Mm. Um, it was fucking dumb. And, like, yeah. So, on the plus side, though, they did get rid of PvP scaling, which is really fucking nice. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with... Have I told you about PvP scaling like and what that was? I've talked about it, but I'm rehash it. Okay, so, 
PvP scaling made it so that whenever you were engaged in PvP combat, um, instead of like, your like for example, if you're let's say your item level is 200 as a low B character, and I was 300 item level as a character. When PvP scaling kicked in, it would bring us a lot closer in place. It would bring my power down and bring the lower person's power up. So they had kind of had a chance for the most part, which was really shitty because I would hit you for like, like let's say a thousand damage, but in reality, the other player would only take like six hundred damage because mm. it was just this weird system in place. They put it in for for BFA, and it was such a shitty system because like it. One of the biggest points of an MMO is you grind up gear and your character is better as a result of putting in the work to get the better gear. But that was negated by a fucking system to try to balance out somebody's low-level character against you. So, um, the la- with corruption, the last couple weeks, there's a guy on YouTube named Rex Troy who has been finding ways to break the game uh. as a result of corruption. And he... Um, are you familiar with the arena grind? Like, we can go from, like, lower-level arena all the way to Gladiator? Probably not in the modern interpretation of it, no. But in in the original Burning Crusade, for example, they had, yeah. He grinded, uh, he grinded all the way up to Gladiator using nothing but infinite stars corruption, and all he would do is basically get in combat, throw his shield out, and try to stay alive long enough for corruption to proc, because if you had enough infinite stars, it would one-shot anything you hit. Damn. So uh, he did that, and then Blizzard modified corruption to the point where if you had over a certain amount of corruption points, your character would die automatically. So he was doing things that Blizzard had to hotfix, essentially. Um, He also discovered dumb shit like um, if you have sockets in your gear with gems in them, it actually made you worse in PvP than better because of PvP scaling. So if you had a bunch of sockets grinded out for your character, you perform less than the guy who had no sockets in his gear. Which again in an How MMO does that was work. Hmm? Like was it normalizing any stat buffs you got out as a result of that stuff or yeah, well it was normalizing it but it would it would adjust your so when your PvP item level got higher, mm. it made you do less damage to bring you in line with other people. Is how it worked. So when you added a, a gem to your socket, it would make your PvP higher, PvP item level higher. As a result, the scaling system would bring you down percentage-wise. Again, a stupid fucking decision. So he discovered the trick where if you took all the gems out of your or all the gems out of your sockets, got into an arena queue, and once you were in the lobby, you would re-gem. And you would have the, f- you would have no issues with the scaling. Blizzard hotfix that one. Um, and basically, the last couple of weeks, he's been releasing new videos showing how busted PvP scaling, all that stuff was. Where he could have a low level character, uh, essentially one shot, like full level characters because of PvP scaling. Uh, another example, there was a monk where the monk has an ability called Touch of Death. And Touch of Death is you do a flat amount of damage, and then after a few seconds, depending on how much damage you did again, it would do a bigger hit at the end of it. 
Um, so he discovered that if you, as a monk, do the hit and then remove your gear or find a way, like get out of combat, remove the gear, um, you the PvP scaling would make your touch of death damage go to like over 4,000% higher than normal because of the scaling and one-shot people. So like, he was just proving how shitty this system was. And I guess with the pre-patch, they didn't announce it, but they got rid of it. So mm. PvP is actually fun again. Um, and like classes like healers don't fucking live forever kind of thing. So yeah. Um, so shout out to Rex Troy, who's the goat for that stuff this past couple of weeks. So is, <laughs> he, is this guy kind of always up to this type of bullshit? Or is this a we're so bored with Azeroth right now that uh, it's fine ways to break I, it? He's found other stuff in the past, but like with corruption, he really went to town these last couple of weeks. Like he had a <laughs> he figured out another one using some as some Azerite essences to one shot people in stealth and never leave stealth. Mm. Yeah, mm. because of the way some of the mechanics worked with Azerite essences. And again, so Blizzard's just watching scaling. this fucker's YouTube channel, being like, "Write this down, <laughs> write this down." Pretty much. Yeah, uh, sounds like they didn't really think out that new mechanic, did they? No, there was a bunch of stuff. I mean, it feels like they added it after the fact because things weren't working well, and it just when they between that and then figuring out how PvP scaling actually worked, he was able to basically play the system out, which was really, really interesting to see how he was able to just like, and it's not an exploit because it's the scaling system in action essentially, like. Nothing weird. It's all done with actual items in game. Like it's not hacking. One... It's just exploiting the existing inherent brokenness of the system. Yeah. yeah. And so I think my favorite one was, and actually it's a warlock one, Charlie. So you might appreciate this one. Ah, uh, warlock forever broken. Um. So there's an ability called Ring of Havoc. I think it was. Of course, so there is. This, so there's this like there's there's ability called Havoc, and what it does is. When you cast it on another player and then do your abilities at another player, it duplicates the abilities. So if you do like a chaos bolt, it does it to the, your target that's havoc and then your normal target. In PvP, there's a talent called like Ring of Havoc. So with uh, stat, with some of the corruptions that would boost all your stats overall, he would set that off, go into an area with a bunch of like people, cast the ring. Fire off chaos bolt, and he could one shot twenty people at once. Stuff like for, that. As a former warlock player, I see no problem with this. But <laughs> as someone who's a fan of balance games, I see where that might be a problem. Yeah. So shit like that got real old real fast. So anyway, now that corruption is gone, and looks like they got rid of PvP scaling, things will actually be to have a semblance of normal. So, what is normal? Yeah, walks at the top of every tier list, including healing, damage, tanking, and everything else. Yeah, that that, that should be normal, but I get why other people don't think it is. Yep. Yeah, it kind of seems like Blizzard doesn't know what the fuck they're doing ever. Oh, it gets even. I have to get more details on this one, but there is some recent drama regarding uh, secret theory crafter forums and the fucking disdain the devs have for theory crafters now, apparently. What, like, what does that hut sentence even mean? Like that, that's what's a theory crafter? Yeah. I... Okay, so theory crafters in WoW are the people who 
like, look at these stats. They're the ones who come up with all the spreadsheets and things like that to say, hey, like, these talents are best in slot for this situation. Okay. This is best for this kind of thing. Okay. Like, basically, the people who put together all the fucking simulations and everything for your characters, if you will. So basically, it sounds like the devs are just angry that, you know, somebody's actually fucking testing the broken shit that they put out. Yeah, I mean, between, like, not even necessarily the broken stuff, but, like, so when you're going to do rating, there's a certain character, like, certain character or certain stats and certain talents that are best for the character, like, when you're going to do competing yeah. in PvP. And so, um, like I said, I have to get more details on it because it just started breaking recently. Um, so apparently the devs fucking hate people who, like, do all this testing because they're like, oh, it just pushes this social norm of, like, oh, this talent's the best, and this one's the best. And they're, like, people in the in the theorycrafting community saying, hey, the reason people pick these is because these talents perform best. These other ones don't. No one, like, picks those. He's like, oh, well, pick a better stat one then. And it's just this weird disdain of, like, making it, they're making it the fault of the yeah, players it's... trying to be best for their character as opposed to like not fixing shitty talents well so yeah. it, it's it's the problem of because they've gone to this very limited talent system like back when your talent build was your build back in like wow classic there was more kind of checks and balances where, okay yes this is a super powerful ability you get but to get there you lose a bunch of other stuff and that was the balance out for it but now that's kind of this streamlined chart, you're just going down, clicking stuff. Yeah, this is this, this is how you get there when you limit it from. It's not about the journey; it's about the outcome only at that point. Well, I mean, it's, even they should have—they've obviously should have been doing that level of testing before they put it the fuck out yeah. there. I mean, God, Blizzard is just lazy, just fucking lazy. It's just interesting to like. Because people have been saying, like, we've been giving them all this feedback, and they still doesn't seem like they're listening. And some people finally have come out and said, hey, well, it turns out there actually has been a private, like, theory crafting forum for these people to be on. And it started off really well. And apparently, when the feedback was initially being taken really well, it was when some of the balancing was the best in the game during Mop and Wad, which people talk about. Like, even though World Wars of Draenor was a kind of a shitty expansion overall, the class balance was solid. And um, it's just nowadays, apparently it's a lot of devs with a lot of fucking egos because they work at Blizzard that they think they know better, but it's like the stuff they come out with does suck. Like there are talents that are dead that nobody uses and then they're mad that nobody uses those talents and it's like, well, those talents suck as far as gameplay goes. They don't serve any purpose in any situation. Like, there are legit dead talents in some characters that never get picked. And it was like that back in Vanilla and back in... Oh, yeah, like, no. Like, the Demonology spec was a worthless warlock thing until they added Felguard at the end of it. You're like, okay, fine. It's a garbage build, but this thing is broken right now, so yeah, we're taking it. Yeah. So, there's there's stuff like that, and they get mad at players because, like, oh, well, you guys just don't pick it. It's like, no, because it sucks. Like, like there's a difference between quote unquote wanting to play something fun and wanting to actually do good for your character and like wanting to do really good for your character is an aspect of fun that these guys don't seem to realize yeah like yeah there's there's not playing the meta and then there's at least playing enough of the meta to like be functional 
Oh, these guys, like, basically, the, the feeling I, I've got from this is they fucking hate the concept of a meta. Yeah. And, and even. Well, it, and it even too shows fucking up, bad. And it even right. shows up in Overwatch. They fucking hate the meta. So they always balance to break the meta. And the thing is, there's always going to be a meta. Yeah. Like, this war. Well, that, welcome that, that to game have, theory, period. Welcome to just game theory on the broader topic of game theory not you know uh, you know i'm just not even talking about board games either. just game theory there is always going to be meta strategies that's just always going to be exist when you create a game so like get used to it devs there's gonna be a meta and if you aren't preparing for meta strategies to come out for your game then you might as well just get out of game design because you obviously or go back to school is you didn't learn anything about game theory, obviously. Yeah, and it's just like it just shows up all over the place, like with them trying really like hard on this one, and then like in Overwatch especially, like they hated when the fucking meta became three tanks, three healers, because like it was just more solid gameplay after all that they nerfed a character into the fucking ground, and like they just instead they of, hate instead the of balancing. Of they just tried to break the meta, which is not the same as balancing. Balancing would mean, all right, so we're going to take a little here, take a little from here, change this, tweak things, and now there's just more of a balance among characters, which does, which has an effect of changing the meta, but not directly. When you're just literally just breaking a character down because you didn't like the fact that they were part of a meta, that just means you're terrible at your job. Yeah, and it's just like... I mean, I just mean, just imagine if it feels like, oh, we hate the fact that people have running backs in the NFL. Let's just make the rules so that they now are just a useless position. Yeah, and that's I what mean, they that, did that... with Overwatch, where they forced you to go the two-two-two pick. Because before you could pick any mixture, mm-hmm. like if you had one healer or something, it was cool. Yep. But they essentially changed it so that you had to be two tanks, two healers, two DPS, and it was like. What's what's the point? Like, and then they push this bullshit of like meaningful choice, but it's like people are always going to pick the meta because that's what works best for the character. Like, it's just there's this whole thing right now, and you can just tell there's a huge number of disdain. Like, I mean, I get it; they work for Blizzard, but it's that thing where they think they're hot shit because they work for Blizzard. Guess what? Nobody, nobody thinks you're really hot because you work at Blizzard anymore. Because your your company is like a travesty of a fucking organization. So I wouldn't get too big ahead about Dream Haven's Rising after all. Whatever the hell that game's called. Dream. Oh yeah. But yeah, that that's the thing is. I mean, let's just say that I see like tons of fucking positions constantly being advertised by Blizzard Activision. Because they are hemorrhaging people, and they are desperate for for a lot more people. Like, like they'll go, they go on these. I guess we'll talk about it later too. But they'll go on these, you know, firing binges, these layoff binges, and then realize, oh yeah, we actually we actually need people. And you know what? Yeah, Blizzard, garbage company, garbage company. Nobody should work there anymore. If you have a choice. Which, if you've been working in the industry a while, you do. I wouldn't work there. I wouldn't choose to work there. If they came up to me right now and just said, here, have a job, I would say, 
no, actually, no, I I don't really care to work there. Sounds like sounds like like working in the middle of a, a dumpster fire. So yeah, a dumpster fire of idiots with egos and yeah. a malfunctioning this malfunctioning company in general. I legit think they f- they I legit think that they they are in this mindset. And then, like, that's why you had Diablo Immortal happen. Because, like, oh, we know best. And then they go out there and try to push a fucking mobile game to your PC yeah. gaming crowd. And then they get shit on, and they're like, how could this happen? Like, because you didn't listen to your fucking audience, you dumbasses. Like, it's like, you know, you know who buys your games? The people in the audience. Like, people real like, fucking addicted to WoW at this point. Or yeah. playing your game because it's good, but be playing it because it's a part of their lifestyle at this point. Isn't yeah. that right, Alex? Yeah, I 100% admit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. and yeah, I wonder what will happen when, you know, WoW eventually just doesn't exist anymore. So. I'll bet that'll just mean Blizzard doesn't exist. Probably. I mean, hell, we're going to talk some more about the uh, the Blizzard stuff like in France, but it doesn't surprise me. It's definitely talks of... Activision creeping in more, but we'll get into that when we go to our stories. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I've just been kind of, like I said, recovering mainly from uh, from surgery, from the extraction of teeth, if you will. So, yep, that's it for me. All right. Well, as for me, I I don't know. I haven't really been playing that many games. It's like I've bought, I've bought a few, but I just. Some of them I don't have the machinery to run it yet. Some of them I just haven't popped into, really, I guess, for one reason or another. I've been playing Fistful of Frags because I kind of found a group of people that like playing that game, and it's an interesting game to get into because its its mechanics are way different from any other, in a certain sense, other FPSs. Just the way the guns work, the way the aiming works. Because it's it's the first game I've played where your guns, no gun, I mean, there are better guns, but no gun is just really good. They're all kind of bad, and that's the point. Like, you, you just need to make get really good with guns that aren't always so great and that are actually kind of a hassle to deal with. And, yeah, I don't know. I've been playing quite a bit of that, and still playing KOF All-Star. They don't have any big things going on right now, no... Like, for a while there, it seemed like every single month they were, like, doing something with some brand, some other brand, a crossover thing with some event with some other brand. But not at the moment. They're just kind of going through their kind of bread and butter, adding new characters as they go. But other than that, I decided to partake of the Sega thing, which Sega 60 Years thing, and check out check out the titles that they had on sale, and as, as well as check out the free ones. Is one so drink one of, deep of Sega or dying on the sixty-year bounty that is Sega? Like, what is what is the correct partaking of verb for a, a Sega offering of this type? I don't know. It's I'd say that the Sega brand encompasses way more games than a, maybe a lot of people may expect because it includes like the Total War series, the Warhammer, Warhammer stuff. All that is under the published under the Sega brand, so that's the thing. It's like a lot of people. Oh, it's just Sonic. Actually, it's way more than Sonic. I mean, 
do you forget the Yakuza series? Because that's all really, I said about, I really said, yeah, Sega. Sega, the company known for Yakuza and that Blue Hedgehog game. Yeah, but it's like Total War series, all Sega. Yeah, there's a lot under the Sega umbrella that you may not expect, like the endless, the endless stuff, like the Endless Legend, Endless Space. Dungeon of the Endless, that's also under the Sega production banner. So, there's a lot of stuff there, and it's all on sale for, like, one more day. <laughs> but, yeah, I played through one of the free games that were offered as a part of it, and, you know, it's it's a free game, and this one... Alright, so I played Streets of Camarocho, which is basically Streets of Rage with a couple of Yakuza characters with a handful of Yakuza characters. And so, the game is very much, it's just a Streets of Rage 2 engine. That's it. That's pretty much it. It, I don't think it's even done in the the new engine, like for the newest Streets of Rage, you know, Streets of Rage 4. It, it feels like just a Streets of Rage 2 engine straight up. The really disappointing thing all the characters just use Axel's moveset. Just the most boring, slow character's moveset. So that's kind of like... It was fine if... It would be fine if one character did that, but all three selectable characters use the exact same moveset. That's especially shitty, too, because in Yakuza, it's all about how different they are as characters. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so you have you have the kind of two main characters, the like Goro and uh, uh, I can't remember the other uh, uh, Kazuya, uh, and then the newest one I can't remember his name. He hasn't come out yet. I don't remember his name. But in any case, they're all three main characters in it. They're usable characters, but yeah, they all use the same boring Axel moveset. Which he's the worst character in Streets of Rage too. Like, the worst, because he's so slow. They made him out, like, incredibly slow. Everybody moves faster than him. His And his moveset, like, he has one good move. It's his kind of dashing uppercut. And, which is really good, but outside of that, it's like, everybody just runs circles around you, and you don't have great weapons to combat against it. Your jump kick also sucks. So, yeah. I don't know why they went with that. I mean, I guess they're like, well, I guess, you know, it's a free game, but it's also one stage. Just one stage. And you can and if you just keep playing the game, you just keep repeating the repeating the same stage. That's it. It never gets any harder. It's just the same stage over and over again. It is all right, so I like fight to the end of it. I fight to the end of the stage. I'm like, "All right, yeah, I beat the boss." And then I was like, huh, this looks like the same stage again. Because it says stage two. I'm like, yeah, this is the exact same stage. So I play it through it. Nothing's changed. It's just the same stage over and over again. Why? That, that's even weirder. And there's nothing nothing really to get. I, I think if you play through a stage, you unlock a character, another character. But why bother? It's just a different skin on the same character. Which is, I feel like it's a waste. The only other thing that they did was unique is there are different themes for each, uh, theme song for each of the characters. That's it. But yeah, they. I feel like 
you're going to use an existing engine with multiple characters in it, you could have just put in some of the other characters, you know, reskin them. I mean, that would have been fun. But it instead just comes across as, why? I don't see a reason for them to come out with it. It doesn't. I don't feel like it really is a great... I don't know who this is for. You know, me, yeah. the Sega fan, playing through it, I'm like, I get to see a skin of a, the new character, but he plays exactly the same as the other characters. I mean, am I supposed to think that the game is going to be like that? That the game is going to be no different from any other Yakuza game? When it clearly, by all previews, is going to be pretty different? That's even weirder. Why? Why did you make this game? Why did you make them all, give them all the same moveset from the worst character in the game? It's It's just kind of like, why? Why did you even bother making this? I don't know who this is for. Uh, it's not going to bring... I mean, for the nostalgia people, they'll play it for about 10 minutes and then be like, why did I... I guess it was free. Thanks for 10 minutes of free game, I guess. I, I feel like they could have put a little more effort into it and it would have been just vastly better. Like, if any of the other characters were worth trying to fight to get, that would be fun. But I have to say, I was really surprised to, like, I was like, okay, I'm, I unlocked Goro. I wanted to see what he has different. Same moves, and I'm like, that's, that's weird. Yeah. But, yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, you know, and there's some fun other little things, like the items they changed up to be, like, money and the kind of vitamin drinks that you pick up in the game to restore your life, but yeah, and and hearing kind of 16-bit versions of the different theme songs was cool, but I don't know. Feels like a wasted opportunity. I mean, for a free game, I guess whatever. I think I, I haven't tried out the other free game they put out yet, which is basically kind of like a fantasy zone thing called Endless Zone, where it looks like it controls similarly, but sure. it looks washed out and kind of bland, whereas the Fantasy Zone series was yeah, so very I'm, bright neon. You're touching on kind of the question I had going into this, which was, it's super cool Sega put out these these games, but it sounds like they weren't exactly great. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even tried the Endless. It just doesn't look great. I'm like, Fantasy Star was just really brightly themed shooter, which had a unique look to it, and unique colors theme to it, and this endless zone thing just looks like it looks like a game made with, like, free assets on the Unity store. Mm. Like, literally just, like, the freest fairest bone set of assets possible. It looks really bland. I mean, I'll give it a try probably this week, but I'm like, don't have high hopes for it because it just doesn't look great. I mean, I, I why bother putting out a free game if it just feels uninspired or lazy? Mm. Uh, might as well just not put out anything at all. Just push what you have. I mean, they are offering, you can pick up Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, like the original Sonic the Hedgehog 2, on, on, for free right now. 
uh, which is a genuinely good game, like an extremely good Sonic game. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, these two free games that they created, I'm like, you could have just not, <laughs> or spent all the time you spent on both of them on yeah. just one of them. Yeah, just about to ask that question. Like, would one game that was actually you know kind of fun be better than two games that sound kind of like? Here's the things you like, right? Right? Yeah. And I especially feel like Streets of Camarocho could have been really fun. It just... The barest amount of effort was put into that. I mean, yeah, they, made I... New sp- they made new sprites for everybody, basically. And that's cool. But, I mean, you already had the engine there. Just... You have like somebody use blazes. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go so far as to say like if it was just like a Streets of Rage thing that was celebrating your sixty years, like that would go a long way with fans. Like at Streets of Rage, you'd have a bunch of iconic characters they love from franchises that obviously aren't Streets of Rage. Like it'd be at a minimum cute. Like oh ha ha, it's so much fun that Knuckles is here next to uh, Kiryu and they're punching stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kiryu. Uh... Yeah, it, yeah, it's, but it's like when Kiryu, Goro, and the new guy all use the same moveset, it's like, why? Yeah. Why Why did you do this? But, yeah, uh, I, I, I suppose I haven't really played much outside of that. I mean, I'm still kind of practicing with the fight stick that I picked up, which I like the fight stick. It does take a while to get used to using a fight stick again, because... It's just, there's a whole different feel for it. Like, I like the crispness of how it feels, like, with all just pressing the buttons. Like, the buttons on a arcade-style controller just yeah. have a great, there's a great feel to it. Uh, but yeah, the, but yeah, outside of that, I haven't really been watching anything, even though there's, there's a dearth of great TV out there. I'm, like, watching old episodes of Dean Tama, and that's kind of it. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing I, I guess, wrong with that. I guess it's because there's it's comedy. It's just fun comedy, and it's just parodies of a yeah. lot of different things. And it's just it's a, it's fun to watch, generally speaking. No, because and, of you, I dug my fight stick out of my garage. It's not hooked up to anything, but I blew the dust off of it. And I'm like, what are what Guilty Geared excerpts up to these days? And I went online and figured out that I'd get wrecked if I tried diving into that game now. So now I'm waiting for the new one. Yeah, I went online for the 2002 UE beta thing. It's like the real good players have come out in for uh, in force online, and I'm real rusty. So that was that didn't work out well. I just yeah. wanted to see what the netcode felt like, really. Uh, but and uh, I only having practiced a little bit. So, but yeah, yeah. Outside of that, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really played anything new. I mean. Like, none of the games I've played even were, I mean, Streets of Kamurocho, not really a new game. Not really. But, yeah, that's it. Yeah. We did everyone, right? It feels like we had a lot to talk about, but not us. Something, anything really super exciting across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a we talked about WoW for quite a long time. It's time actually. for News? News? Hey, I don't know. I I don't know where to start this week. Um, 
Actually, yeah, dude, I, yeah, I know where to start. Alex, explain Ninja Turtles and Smite. Oh, so there's a new DLC out right now. And in this DLC, kind of like the Avatar of the Last Airbender, uh, you can get the Ninja Turtles <laughs> as skins for characters. So I was uh, kind of sad they weren't a whole new character. They're just skins, but I guess that's cool. <laughs> that's I mean, I gotta say, it's pretty fucking sense, neat that they're, they're doing this, though. Well, why? Because they can. Avatar works. Avatar really kind of works with the theming of Smite. And the way the characters work, and the fact that, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, that the abilities work. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles don't use magic. No, but they pick gods that do, like, melee attacks and things like that. And they find ways to work around it. So, um, but yeah, you can, uh, you, you go as the Ninja Turtles. I guess they took over a bunch of melee characters, so you've got... Uh, Osiris, Loki, Mercury, and Sun Wukong uh, earns the skins that turn them into uh, Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello, respectively. Um, they also include other things like a Cowabunga emote and things like that. But what's really neat, too, eventually, is you'll have skins for Splinter and Shredder. So <laughs> Where's Casey Jones? I don't know if they added Casey yeah. Jones. Put Casey in before you put Splinter in. Yeah. I gotta say, kudos to them for adding the Ninja Turtles. I think it's kind of neat. <laughs> I think thematically it makes way less sense than practically adding in anything. It just seems weird. I can see that. Yeah. I I initially thought they were adding them when they add them to Mortal Kombat. Oh shit, that'll be cool. Then, oh, it's just skins. Damn it, Smite. I thought they were going to be like the gods of comic book nostalgia or something. <laughs> like gods of the 80s. That'd be a fun character. Their cooldown is radical. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever wanted to watch the Ninja Turtles fight against Cthulhu, now's your chance. No, no. I own the comic book where that happened, along with the one yep. that they wouldn't help Batman. Yep. They fought Cthulhu? Probably. No. <laughs> They bought. They basically fought Space Cthulhu. Yeah. Okay. It was just Cthulhu at that point, technically. Well, Cthulhu isn't necessarily an alien. He may. No, uh, oh, by definition, he's an alien entity. Like depending on what your definition of alien is, I guess. Like whether it's dimensional reality or literal space. Like uh, one of his siblings is off hanging around Jupiter, I think, or something like that. But I think he was might be like uh like from Earth originally, like actually like indigenous to Earth. That's not clear. I don't which is why think which is so. why he sleep, sleeps in the ocean. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I think he arrived and got like imprisoned by the great Yate race of Yith, if I might be remembering who did what wrong at this point. Like because the deep ones aren't necessarily indigenous of Earth. They're a byproduct of Cthulhu, but I'm definitely the wrong person to try and remember all the details about the Cthulhu mythos at this point in time. Yeah. Speaking of great old ones, uh, the Epic vs. Apple fight is getting weird. Kind of weird. Oh? To, uh, so, 
First off, we so I think we talked about this some a couple weeks back, but Judge has officially ruled that Apple can keep blocking Fortnite, but they can't do that to the Unreal Engine, as of right now at least. So that whole kind of access key for updates and stuff that we talked about being a major player potentially in these negotiations in the past, less of a silver bullet in Apple's arsenal. And I some stories ran about this, I think, like hours after we recorded the last podcast. And like, So this is the one I found more fascinating, is that the same judge, I think, or one of the judges involved in this got out there and warned that the Epic versus Apple fight might have ramifications for other consoles. Like, in it, if you think of the iOS store as analogous to an Xbox Live or a um, PSN, yeah, that there's a chance you could crack that marketplace open by having every game be allowed to have its own in-game store, hypothetically. Which games, to a certain extent, kind of do. Yeah. Depending on the game. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. The only games I play at this point that require microtransactions in a meaningful way are Destiny for Silver and Warframe has Plat, and I've always bought both of those through the kind of like systems and either Steam or PSN's kind of store system, and I, I'm not sure either of those devs would necessarily go to the not nah, just swipe a card on our website approach to things that's in your game, but I also think Warframe may already do that technically, and the Steam version's just kind of like a um, easiness thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's well. For instance, uh, Terra has its own store. Yeah, it's always had its own store, uh, but you could play the game through Steam. You can absolutely play the game through Steam, or at least you probably still will be able to. Uh, because, uh, but yeah, they've always had their own store. You don't. Do their microtransactions through Steam? Yeah, which is that's just the thing. That's just the way it's been. So there's a lot of weird things tied into these types of court decisions. If they end up being a precedent, and that depends on the judge. If the judge kind of makes a wide ruling or a very narrow ruling, there or you know, basically, is the judge saying oh, this happens in this specific case rather than this is kind of a general rule we should follow. Yeah, it's. I'm I'm curious because it's one of those ones where I could imagine that because a phone is a multifunctional device, there's more of an argument for it. Like I, I until they put a Grubhub app on my PS4, I'm gonna still kind of think of it as like it's for gaming, and there's the gaming store on it and stuff. But yeah, I, I think the argument in that case though too is I could go to like a physical retail and buy a game for it if I so wished. Like, the direct mm-hmm. two currencies have been a thing you could buy from 7-Elevens for a while now that I'm thinking about it. And those do circumvent, hypothetically, the store at that point. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of thought this one was interesting, the whole idea that's like, oh, you might have to crack open these console uh, monopolies. It's like, I'm not sure it's so much a monopoly, it's just people are too lazy to go through the kind of extended process to do this stuff. Can you use V-Buck cards on the Apple Store? And I and Android OS? I'm assuming yes? I have no idea. Yeah, but also now that I'm saying it out loud, I have no idea. Like, would you in that case just have, like, an Epic account that you'd log into specifically to spend V-Bucks? Which, 
You do. Yeah. Or you can. Like I I'm sure there's someone out there that's only ever played Fortnite on a phone or something like that. Like Yeah. Hell, in this past week I found out that Fortnite was on my iPad and I'm like, huh, yeah. Okay, I did. I I am one of the people that probably made Apple go. Millions of people have stepped away from this game. Now I'm like, yeah, I played it once to see what my controller was like on it. Yep. Yeah. Good for thought, I suppose. Moving on from that, you have hours, literal hours, in which to snag that uh, Sega Think Over 60 Years Pass uh, game collection thing. Um, Henry's already weighed in on that. It goes away Monday, which is when we technically say this podcast goes up, although we go up. A little bit early, if you're interested in it, I think it's running for all day Monday. It's gone Tuesday, so act now or forever miss out on two games that may or may not be great. I don't know. It's still cool they did it. I wish they were better, I guess, based on Henry's reactions. Yep. Moving on to uh, something totally immature. Well, we could uh, all tied in with that. Uh, we can talk about Golden Axe. Sure. Which is right. I forgot about that. So, Golden Axe is a it was a canceled Golden Axe title, and they gave it. So they gave the term Golden Axe. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and, it's like an Alex level pun. I'm ashamed of Sega. Yeah, I'm so. So, bad. Uh, uh, but the uh, there there's a lot of kind of weirdness going on with that because it was because of the situation of why it ultimately got axed, which moved into some kind of not great territory of it was a terrible, terrible situation where you had people all the classic pitfalls of sort of development happening all at once, like uh, of just development of software in general where you had people working nightmare hours, terrible management that kept asking for dumb things or impossible things. Like, you know, uh, hairpin turns on, no, we see something now, let's change everything because we saw something in the news of something we thought was a good idea. So, because of an insight because I was doing something tangentially related. So my my me as a manager, I'm gonna tell everybody, hey, let's do this new thing. Which is most likely either impossible or we'd have to just dump all of our existing code to do what you want us to do. And just yeah, basically it sounds like terrible management working grueling conditions and yeah and also like the people involved are like all right say it claims that they like had gotten reached out to people when they were you know when they were going to release this prototype and the people who actually did all the work on it were like news to us they said fucking nothing to us like nobody reached out to any of us like, they straight up said, like, one guy uh, named uh, Tim Dawson programmed the entire thing. Like, he coded the entire thing, and they didn't reach out to him. So that's real weird. They didn't reach out to any of the artists either, so everybody's like, 
So who did you reach out to when you decided to put out this broken prototype? It's weird because it's it's like a celebration of how terrible video game development can be. I mean, there isn't like a real fondness around the development of this where it was like, oh, this is a, you know, a passion project and you know, we were trying to do it, but we just ran short of money, and you know, some uh, something else happened. No, this sounded like hellscape, and it's reminding people of a hellscape. <laughs> it's yeah, that's that's really bizarre. In other local news, game development still hard, apparently. Yeah, but it it just this sounds like just the perfect storm of every every bad part of yeah. what development can feel like. And I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but, I mean, I guess I'll try it out, but it's like, I don't know. It seems really strange. There again, another weird decision by Sega of, like, why? Why why would you even bother doing that? Uh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I think if you read the articles about it, I would say, if you want to read more into like what the developers had to say about the actual developers had to say about the development of it is yeah it sounds like nightmare hellscape for the entire development of that game but yeah it's i guess if you want to see a piece of history go ahead but yeah i don't i wouldn't really see a good reason for playing it to be honest i think it's going to be free anyways but there again is like could just spent more time on a free all this time you spent on these other little projects, you could have just put out one free game that was pretty solid. Yeah, Golden Axe would have been and, cool. Yeah, like a new Golden Axe, something like that. Yeah. Oh. Moving on to something far more immature than that, though. Um, y'all see what's going on in uh, Smash Brothers with uh, Minecraft Steve? Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was kind of fucking neat. I gotta <laughs> yeah. say. Okay, what are you referring to? Because I'm talking about the fact that his victory pose looks like his dick's out. Yep. Oh, I thought like adding him <laughs> to the roster. No, that looks that de- definitely looks like his dick's out. <laughs> oh my! I'm guessing he's holding the pickaxe. Yes. Yeah. No, it's 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 a no. The meat that you know, oh. like cooked meat. Yeah. But yeah. Most of us just made the podcast news this week, so I had to have the moral conundrum of like Big Dick Ligger, uh, Blizzard Man from many episodes past. If it's like, am I gonna shop a giant sensor bar on a Steve for this? Is that gonna be our like, thumbnail for this week? Really? Are we gonna do that again? Have my wife look at me and go, what the fuck are you doing over there? And I go, yeah, life choices. <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to laugh at all this, just go look this up. It's real dumb and people are taking it way too far, but it's funny at least. <laughs> they really weren't. Oh, and they also the the way the arms are moving while holding it. That doesn't help. It, it's the arm movement's a little bit more of a stretch in my book, but yes, it definitely doesn't help the joke. Yeah, I also like people commenting like, and then you have somebody watching you clapping in the background. Yeah, it's truly, truly. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> nice dick, sir. As I said, on to something far more immature and far more frivolous. <laughs> Moving on from that, we got some quick news to burn through. Bungie oh, got out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. So, 
his victory screen is it technically a cock block? And we're moving on because he's walking. <laughs> and we're and moving on. And we're moving on. And we're moving it's on. It's a cock block. And we're moving on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Henry. You expect more from me on this one, Alex. <laughs> fuck you for this one, but. <laughs> I thought we'd have a nice, dumb, silly little story to break up the not-so-dumb and nice. And thanks, Alex, you ruined this. Something about the grittiest, grim dark of news articles for the rest of the year. I think, you know, I think it's time. I, I think this just proves that this is ready to be part of the actual FGC. It's getting fucking weird. And I think it's starting to earn its place in the FGC, this game. So. I no comment on that one but um <laughs> look forward to next week when i make up a story about mario uh, being held up in a bank with nine hostages uh demanding liberation for something i don't know that sounds like some luigi shit it does sound like some luigi shit you're right god damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah moving on from that um Bungie got out there this week and announced that the upgrade on consoles from ps4 and xbox one Xbone, whatever the correct name is at this point, respectfully to the next gen counterparts, will be free if you already own the game. So that's cool. Your DLC will transfer. There's still that crossplay thing they're talking about. So PS5 people and PS4 people and the nine people still playing Destiny on Xbox can still play together as well, I guess. So uh, yeah, that's some shade thrown at you, Xbox people. Take it. You don't exist anymore in the Destiny community. <laughs> you do. But I'm not going to back down on that one. Uh, yeah, not, no surprises there necessarily. It's nice seeing that at least this kind of one of the games as services out there is getting out there and going, yeah, it's a free upgrade because it's a game as service and the base version is still technically free. So why wouldn't your DLC carry over? On the opposite end of that one, we have Borderlands 3, which has announced they're doing a second season of DLC. And it's... I, I couldn't actually tell, because I found they they have a version launching on next-gen, but it doesn't seem like that new version is going to be upgradable, too. I can't really tell on this one, but yeah, surprising no one. Second round of Borderlands 3 DLC coming at you. Um, get excited for that, I guess. I, I don't know anyone still playing that game at this point. Although I do like enjoying the trailers for each DLC at this exact point in time, but who cares? Kind of keep bringing this next-gen movement. Uh, the desktop and mobile versions of the PlayStation Start will no longer carry Vita and or PS3 games. The device-specific store you log into, you can still get them there, but if you were hoping to kind of stock up on PS3 games and the easier version-to-use interfaces, sorry, you can't do that anymore. Same goes for the Vita, but yeah, doesn't not make sense. Kind of sucks, but also doesn't not make sense. They're slimming down the store for consoles that are no longer technically supported. Back to the less fluffy news. Let's talk about Blizzard again. Blizzard's France, to be specific, and how last week we talked about how they were closing down a studio. Well, that studio is now striking over said mm -hmm. closure. Yeah, I, I, I did hear some early details, but it sounds like Henry knows quite a bit yeah. on this here. So um, I just, my understanding is it. Because France has such strong unions, 
that this is a this is a thing, and I know some of the back. I've heard some of the back end talk about this, but like one of the big things is uh, Activision is definitely moving in to consolidate more power, and this is just one of those moves where they are doing that for sure. Like it's yeah. I mean, obviously they say they're quote unquote reorganizing its activities, which is you know fucking business speak for we're just gonna fucking cut jobs and do other bunch of bullshit so which is really interesting because this office actually has a it's been around for a long time in blizzard's history um and then on top of that like it's been it's it's their core of their european support like they have tons of people who help out european support out there um, and all those languages, like they have, you know, GMs who speak French and Spanish and all that out there. Like, this is going to affect a lot more than I think. But yeah, so um, I guess one of the things the union's talking about is the reason they're doing this is uh, they picked not only a shitty time to close, especially during the whole COVID thing right now, um, but it's also supposed to be a tax dodge. Is apparently yep. what they're trying to do. So, Explain yep. that one, uh, Henry. Do you know a little bit more about the tax dodge thing? All right. So there's there's a lot of American companies use some really finicky rules by kind of placing headquarters in certain countries in Europe to avoid taxes entirely. Yeah, I've heard the phrase the um, what's it, the Ireland sandwich or something like that, where it's uh, Ireland the, with the double double Dutch it back to Ireland or something. Double Dutch Ireland sandwich. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. So and and there's other schemes very similar, and so essentially they're trying to avoid tax rules by creating a hub away away from like Europe out of the EU in London because we know that UK is not going to be a part of the EU anymore. So, yeah, they're trying to kind of, they're, they're going to try to do a similar thing by kind of going back and forth with London and, and Europe to avoid taxes. And then, like, also they're going to use, you know, use this to say that they've taken a loss by, you know, by demolishing this company. So, yeah, I think it's all a big, it's a tax fraud them, I think it's all of the above. It's tax fraud. It's Activision kind of pushing its weight around, and 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 I think yeah, it's it's a thumb in it's a thumb in the eye of you know essentially anybody who you know felt a duty to kind of be a part of Blizzard and help out with Blizzard products. That you know what, learn. I think people should start learning the lesson and. Really vote with your wallets and stop supporting terrible companies that don't give a flying fuck about you. I mean, I don't know how much clear that Blizzard and Activision in general can make it to you, but they really fucking hate you. They don't like you at all. They they don't they don't they have no respect for anybody, not for people who work for them, not for their fans. So I'm like, I I it. it it blows my mind that there could be new Blizzard fans at this point. That people could look at them right now, where they are right now. That it, you know, that hadn't been supporting them in the past, and they're like, "Yes, I want to support this company. I, I 
can't understand that. I don't understand how they're getting new fans. They must be, I suppose. But I, there's no way I could, I could go into it right now. So on that topic, actually, Alex, you spend more time in the Blizzard mines, for lack of a better phrase. Do you see in people, incoming people? Cause I get the impression the last like influx that company had was Overwatch, and I know people like me back then were kind of like going like, eh, but. It seems like even that one's kind of burned out its goodwill to a certain extent at this point. Like it's the, um, it's the core crowd for that. There's not a lot of new Overwatch happening. Yeah, um, I mean, and it also speaks volumes. So, like a case in point, when Overwatch recently—I don't know if you guys saw that, but I think we talked about it too in the news. Maybe. Overwatch recently put out a free account trial thing that people could mm. sign up for. And all it was is jump a bunch of veteran Overwatch players creating Smurf accounts and completely <laughs> destroying the lower level, <laughs> lower level players. That it, and it became so much that they actually had to shut it down this because tracks. it was a majority of fucking players who already play, not necessarily new players. But yeah, um, I don't know. Like honestly, I see. I think. So Blizzard for a long time has had a huge fan base as a result of some of the legacy games they've put out, like StarCraft and stuff like that. And I think, if anything, I've seen numbers dwindle. I haven't seen numbers rise. And the fact that for a long time Blizzard has stopped releasing the subscription numbers for WoW leads me to believe that that number has been dropping more and more. And you Mm. hear more and more stories, at least from my experience, about people who have exodus away from WoW and moved on to Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, that seems to be the big magnet these days. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, that being said, I I played Final Fantasy XIV for a while. It is a very good game. So, and I will tell you, as as somebody who was like a WoW kind of like refugee, if you will, going over there for a while. Um, that community is very welcoming, like for sure. So, but yeah. Anyway, um, I think it's more of an exodus of people leaving over the years. As opposed, I don't think they're getting. I mean, you did have a big rise with WoW Classic coming back, but I think it was more OG WoW players as opposed to oh, this is a new player for the first time. And that's just my theory on that. But yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot of like. Part of me almost to this day wonders, like, if I was still playing WoW and they'd announce WoW Classic, I'd just stop playing normal WoW. Like, part I is it possibly cannibalizing the normal WoW numbers? I know you have to have a WoW account to play Classic, but part of me just kind of like, is there a chunk of the existing WoW population that now only plays Classic? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, there are entire guilds that raid progression crashed when WoW Classic came out. Because they refuse to come back to normal WoW, or retail, rather, what we call it. Um, yeah, no, like, that was absolutely a thing. We lost a guild, we lost a DPS and a guild tank in my guild personally when WoW Classic came out. They are just like, oh, yeah, we're finishing this stuff up here. And our retail guild leader was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we're supposed to start at this time. He's like, yeah, I'm just finishing this. And we fucking kicked him out. Like, we've, we've lost players yeah. to Classic. And I know people who I've played with back in like Wrath of the Burton, with Wrath of the Lich King and everything else who play classic only now. Like they prefer to play it. It's better. Yeah, like I saw my 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 friends list lit up with people when mm. classic came out. So 
Yeah. No, yeah, it almost made me come back, but it was one of those ones where I'm like, I'm only going to play Classic, and I want to know what the plans for Classic are. Like, if the plan is to get Classic out to Lich King, I will come back and play through that bullshit again, maybe. Probably not, because all the things that have happened, but, like, if they just said, yo, we're doing up through Lich King, and then we're ending it, and then we'll stop moving forward, I think you'd have a really good selling point at that point. Yeah, I've already made my feelings clear on them. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure I'd go back at this point in time, given all the things that have happened with Blizzard, but I think from a, what people want out of Classic, that's the smart play, like start doling out that DLC the same way it came out previously to give you that experience and yeah. speaking of evil companies though let's talk about Oculus for a second not Oculus specifically but Facebook that owns Oculus we're going to start talking about Oculus first though um, Oculus Quest 2 has dropped support for Oculus Go games why is this a big deal? because the Oculus Go is the most affordable way to get into Oculus and you might have a bigger library of that stuff. Seems really weird. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, John Carmack actually said that he was actually one of the ones rooting for backwards compatibility. Yeah. The idea of cannibalizing your game library for the sake of progress on a thing like the Oculus or any VR platform at this point really just seems like a real dumb choice where it's like there's not that many good games like there's lots uh, of games coming out the library's real thin problem they're, the library's really thin yeah. and the fact that they're just be like let's just dump an entire section of our library that seems really weird yeah and we didn't try to make our full news but i kind of want to slide in here now as part of this uh once again, we kind of talked about this back when it happened, but some people from Facebook on the Oculus side got out there and said, yeah, um, if you're at all worried about your Facebook page getting destroyed as part of whatever you've been up to lately, maybe make a new one or something for your Oculus stuff, because if you get banned, you lose all the games you potentially have. Which just, increasing that whole choice on their part just seems wild and insane. That's Facebook for you, yep. though. It's Facebook. Moving on from that to something you can actually feel good about, I suppose. Um, Unity has created the Social Impact Division to support social activism nonprofits. In broad strokes, it's Unity for people that maybe can't necessarily afford Unity in a traditional sense. They're trying to do, you know, good things. In more specific well, strokes, yeah. Henry, go for it. Yeah, I mean, so it's uh, providing direct grants to nonprofits in the areas of education, inclusive economic opportunity, environmental sustainability, safety and accessibility, and human wellness. So, I mean, they're wanting to actually like contribute to making the world a better place. This doesn't have, doesn't have anything having to do with unity or people playing games or anything. It's just literally social justice. It's so social ideas and. I'd like, see, this isn't wearing a fucking rainbow pin. This is them getting, making it clear that they are, want to be actively involved in making the world a better place. I think that's really, really interesting, considering that, you know, they recently just went publicly traded, and it sounds like they want to use that extra power and clout 
to make the world a better place. Like, that's actual commitment to these things that other companies like to dance around and say, that they'll put out a funny meme and say, we, or, or change their logo to rainbow colored or whatever. It's like, no, this is putting, literally putting your money where your mouth is. This is, this is actually a thing that is meant to help, not just saying that, oh, I guess we'll help, or, yeah, this is real. And that's, and I can really appreciate that. You know, seeing so much very hollow pandering by so many companies, it's it's refreshing to see a company actually saying, and here's the very, very specific things we will be doing with our money to make the world a better place. So, yeah. It's, it's yeah, the, the division has created something called the Unity Charitable Fund, which is the fund that will be sort of deciding where the where the nonprofit uh, which nonprofits will specifically be supported by their funds. But yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's real. That's measurable. Yeah, but like which character from Fortnite is going to be revealed to be gay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's you know, I and I talk about this, I guess, a lot because I see it often not well. Because I like seeing actual, you know, you do an actual thing that means you mean what you say. Like, talk is cheap. Talk is meaningless. Yes, yeah, so we went on a no so hard last year when they did their whole look how ex- look how progressive we are, except in China. Yeah. Yeah. And just how hollow all of their all of their talk is when they they don't mean any of it. They mean none of it, and they've shown by their actions that they mean zero of it. And so, and there, and that's why I kind of have a bit of praise for Ubisoft, not because because it sounds like, at least from an external sense, they're trying, they're firing, like. People who've been in the company a long time, they're straight up firing them. They aren't letting them retire either, which is a common thing. No, they're straight up firing people. They're like, nope, bye. You've given up everything. No more pension, no nothing. You're just gone. That tells me they're serious. In this case, like, Unity creating a actual fund and saying, we will be supporting these things specifically. That's action. That's real action. That's not wearing a fucking rainbow tie pin. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's things like this. Yeah, I like that. That's action. That means something. But if they don't reveal a character from a game being gay, how do I know they really care? Yeah. Yeah, I hate shallow pandering. What about if they use a hashtag? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sick of companies just in general. Not video gaming, but in general, like, you know, one month they'll come out with a hashtag and put out one ad saying, we support X, but do you? But do you really? Yeah. Do you really? Let's uh, uh, let's check your company well, logo uh, over in uh, some of these countries in the Middle East. Let's see how that looks. Oh, you didn't change it to the rainbow flag over there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, this, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, words are empty. You know, logos, hashtags, 
means nothing to me. I, 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 you might as well have just done nothing because that's all it means to me. Yeah. So I definitely will throw praise at a company that is actually doing something that actually means what they say and is showing a real commitment. While we're throwing praise around, let's talk about the UK National Video Game Museum. A think we may have talked about this in the past being a thing, but I'm not sure I actively knew this thing actually existed, so it's A, cool to find out this exists. But more importantly, the uh, UK government has chosen to, you know, give it some relief money during these problematic times we found ourselves living in, so it can stay existent for a little while longer. Yeah, see, they first they first had to basically do a uh, a charity fundraiser to kind of keep it open, but now the Arts Council of England's culture culture recovery fund will now also be covering their expenses, which just means to me, I I like it. I wanted to point this out because this is another sign to me that video games are as art is being taken more seriously. And as a part of history, not just as art, but also a kind of a part of history that we shouldn't just gloss over. We have museums to a lot of things, and I think it's important to remember also the history of video games because it's also a history of art and technology. And I think also video games, much like other forms of entertainment, are a reflection of the times in which they were made and have volumes to speak on that. So I think it's it's really neat. I think it's I think it's great that the government is recognizing that yeah, this is a vital thing that we should support not it and yeah. It's I just like that overall it seems like society is really looking at video games as another medium. Just another medium where yeah, crap can be made, but also some very, really high art can be made as well. And it's also a an important cultural touchstone. Yeah, we can I mean, have it, film festivals that celebrate the worst of the worst movies in some ways. We can at least appreciate the good video games out there. Well, I mean, we and we have museums for sports and for music and things that celebrate those things. So it's like, yeah. This is also a cultural touchstone, and I believe deserves to be preserved. That's the thing, uh, you know, and we see this changing as we've had more generations of people growing up with video games and modern video games, where they aren't seen as a weird thing, where it's like, you might have somebody that's a good bit older, like, why are you wasting your time playing video games? And then they sit down to watch a three-hour football game. I mean. There's literally no difference. They're both forms of entertainment. I mean, as far as, like, the idea of, oh, you're wasting your time, it's entertainment. But I feel like where it actually is different than sports is sports isn't art. Like, athleticism could be argued as a form of an art, but, I mean... I almost wonders if, like, because of COVID, people have been forced to kind of revisit this conversation, where... Because you can't have sports in a traditional sense in lots of countries, like your your cultural interactions are kind of severely limited. Like 
we've reached a weird point where like Netflix is contributing culturally more than in some ways like traditional cinema is because they have a distribution platform that works already in your home. Same with video games. Like it's both a social yep. hub and also like nothing about COVID has gotten in the way of how I consume video games. In fact, like it's pushing me more to be like, yeah, what if you just bought this thing digitally and didn't like waste that material on a CD because you're never going to use it again after you're done playing it. Yeah. Nah, yeah, it's... I'm kind of curious for kind of what some of the cultural norms will be on this topic when, I guess, if, how pessimistic you are, we do kind of exit out of the COVID period, if you will. But yeah, no, I ran this one back in a little bit. It's super cool the UK is choosing to like actively recognize this thing as a thing that from a cultural standpoint, should not only be around, but should be protected, and maybe celebrated's the wrong word, but, like, given money so it can keep existing from a cultural preservation standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, it's recognition, and I think that's important. Especially when it comes on a... Because the government, one way or another, is going to be a reflection of society. And of a greater sort of you know, when generally in a, you know, government, when the people move a certain direction, the government does too. When it does in mass, the government kind of has to respond in kind. And I kind of see that as that is being a reflection of the greater idea of where people or how people think of video games. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. This. This wasn't yeah. This wasn't too busy of a week. Yeah, it's yeah. it's weird. October being this not October in the games industry. Normally, it's like games launching broken, flaming ghost ships sailing across the space. Like Bioware gets out there and punches out someone in the streets. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's and I think it's because I mean, for one thing, like we have we had a m- bunch of micro EAs. Yeah. And or E3s, of, you mean, or, yeah. Or, I mean, E3s. A bunch of micro E3s happening. And so, news... And I think... Yeah, I'll know. I think having somewhat less of a media blitz on this stuff has probably been good for the video game industry. Well, Not I, to say that there's zero. There's still a lot, but less. And I think, like, either intentionally, in my case, or not sure unintentionally as in you guys' cases, like, uh, the cyberpunk thing. They they did a showcase of some more two minute trailers this week of like showcasing parts of that game. Go watch that stuff. Me talking about cyberpunk's gonna be me being like, yeah, I'm still excited about this game, and, and and nothing. I hope it's good still. It's all I can add to this situation. They showed off cars, gave uh, Keanu Reeves's motorcycle company some free advertising, and the 30 second teaser at the end of the trailer is one of the coolest things I've seen for that game so far fucking diner. It's also just a cinematic, so it's not going to be a real in-game thing, but, like, as a giant fan of that thing's tabletop RPG roots, I'm loving that stuff, but none of it's new. And there's been a bunch of that stuff floating around, so if you've been curious why it's not just breakdowns of hot trailers of the week, that's why, because us reacting to trailers on a podcast is us going, yeah, them trailers happened. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No one wants to hear that. (laughs) But that does it for the news this week, and we have um, a uh, 
an email in from um I, I don't know where he lives, but like former podcast member slash crazy guy that he's writing into us. Um, at what point does one become a hobo? Like, do you have to be in a box car sending us emails for me to call you a hobo on the podcast? Perhaps. Okay. I mean, you could just call him a hobo for not being here. It's fair. That's a slacker at that point. But... Yeah. Yeah. I... We got one email this week, but if you want to send us in an email, how do you go about contacting us, Henry? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's that email again, Alex? Uh, it is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. It spells it sounds down in the show notes, except to raw, except to raw. Um, if you normally kind of find out about new episodes via social media, I actually put the email link in our link tree that I recently put up for a bunch of that stuff, so you have no excuses. Go send us emails or whatever. Do it. Dare you. Or whatever. Not No, no threats there. Yes, this one comes in from Jeff. Our... Can you be half a person on a podcast at this point? That's where Jeff's at. I guess? The 3.5-ish member of this podcast. Um, hello, fuckers. So it was recently brought to my attention that apparently in 2015, the K-pop group Dia, D-I-A, I don't know how to... Uh, am I pronouncing that one right, Henry? I'm not familiar familiar with that one. Dia, Dia, uh, wore Bruins jerseys while performing one of their songs live. More specifically, they wore Milan Luchik jerseys for like the five hockey fans that still listen to this podcast. They're sitting there going, yeah, fuck yeah, they're getting back to hockey. We're not. The same group did a similar act wearing New York Rangers, boo, jerseys. <laughs> Fuck the Rangers. I'll say it on I'll say it on the podcast. This got me to thinking of, of, of what other crazy fan base crossovers one would like to see K pop uh, the K pop group. K pop paintball, K pop Dark Souls, where all were they where half the choreography is dodge rolls? Yes. K pop <laughs> Zelda, where half the singing is yelling ha! I never expected K-pop in hockey, but now I have it. Jeff. Yes, he sent us the footage if you guys want me to send the footage out to you two after this. It's <laughs> wrong. But also, it's K-pop, so it's like, yeah, they're they're wearing stuff. Um, it's not quite like, the mashup you're talking about, but I love when metal bands do covers of K-pop songs or vice versa, because mm. it's just wrong. Like, It's not an official mashup, but someone recently went and took... Um, What's it? Cardi B's um WAP song and laid it over a Lamb of God track, and it Fantastic. really makes you realize how terrible the lyrics in that song are. There's a guy named DJ Cumberbund who put it, who combined WAP with uh, uh, "Devil Went Down to Georgia." That feels more appropriate in some weird ways, at least pacing wise. It makes it work. Yeah, and think of like, I feel like K-pop kind of pops up almost everywhere. Like we. We all at least have at least lived in or actively live in Los Angeles where we have access to Korean barbecue and Korean tofu places where, like, just blasting you with music videos of K-pop and eating is a thing that I never would have put together until I moved here. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I need this to digest this food. Why? I just do. <laughs> I need to live in this fever dream that is a K-pop video. It still kind of blows my mind just how, like, popularity of K-pop just exploded 
here. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, it, and I and I actually have mentioned why I think why it caught on to the larger kind of amount of people than like J pop does. Because K pop is it dances in genres that are more popular around the world. Yeah. Like hip hop specifically. Like you go around the world, you're gonna find some hip hop fans. So yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm not exactly a fan of the genre, but it's like one of those ones where I'm like in the right context I can enjoy some K pop. It's terrible in my opinion, but like so it's lots of I, other things I enjoy. I understand why it's so popular. Yeah. But, yep. Yeah, so. That's all my thoughts on K-pop. <laughs> I don't really watch. I don't really listen to K-pop, to be honest. Yeah, and me neither. I, I'm pulling from, I guess, personal experience. Um, when I run Starfinder, I like to do uh, battle music for boss fights, just because it kind of makes it more fun. And a sizable chunk of my group are hardcore K-pop fans, so I've been trying to find like covers of k-pop songs they might know that i can put up with or that feel like appropriately ridiculous for boss fights and stuff so as a result i now listen to k-pop once a month and then spend the rest of the month purging my spotify of things i hate but <laughs> uh yeah it's it's high energy music i don't know boxing would be kind of fun to see mashed up with k-pop in some ways i'm not sure that would work like it feels like there's a Capoeira-style fighting somewhere in the K-pop world, and I'm not sure how that would work, but, like, dance fighting in K-pop is something I'm surprised we haven't seen yet, like, as a Tekken character or something. No, there has been. Well, yeah, Chrissy exists, as does Eddie. I'm talking, like, K-pop, K-pop fighting. There is a character for that, too. Ooh. And the last, in the, t- uh, gosh, I can't, uh, I can't remember her name. Hold on, let me think. Is it about the cat, uh, like, the cat girl hoodie thing? Yes. Yes. She... A dance fighter? I guess she is, yeah. Yes, she's super a dance fighter. It's like a lot of her combos are are very much like rhythmic. Like you gotta you have to hit the buttons in rhythm for it to work out. A lot of her moves rely on that too. No, oh. she's she's a super, super dance character. Very tricky because of it. Yeah. So Oh yeah, no. I know. I know you can't mash the way you can with Eddie and Chrissy and make her work, but I didn't realize it was that kind of dancey, I guess. Yeah, uh, Lucky Chloe. That's her name. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. No, no. She's 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 uh, very much a dance character. <clears throat> Rewind some. I'm sure. Like, there's a paintball team that takes the field at least to that. Like, God, what would it be really weird to see? Like a K-pop group like dressed as like. My mind keeps going like them just wearing Slayer shirts, but that's also. Well, I can think of something that shirt. seems. Something that would work really well. Hmm? Roller derby. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That's the right mix. Maybe in the same vein, like synchronized swimming, maybe? The roller derby, because roller derby is like hardcore. Yeah. It's pro wrestling on wheels. Yeah. Which makes it way more dangerous. It's also a real unlike wrestling. No, no, it's. There's no, it's, it's there's a lot scripted. of wrestling. Yes, it kind of is. There's a real point system to it. Yeah, but it is scripted. Is it? Yeah. Although- Otherwise, there again, much like pro wrestling, if you just try to straight up tackle people hard while going that fast, 
You'll end up with the law to death. Those clean versus dirty tackles. Because they're 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 going very fast. That's fair. And like even going slow on skates is dangerous. Like <laughs> like it, it, you you can wipe out going two miles per hour on skates and it will hurt a lot. Huh. So no, there's there's a good bit of planning in there so that they don't just really hardcore hurt each other. I have to there revisit again. some research now because I'm not sure. Maybe it's the division between flat track and bank track. I don't know. Because most of the stuff I've seen has been like violent enough that it's like it's not so over the top where it couldn't be scripted. But it's also kind of if you're gonna script this, go harder, I guess. But who knows? You can't really. There again, like. Going that fast on skates as fast as they do because they are cruising. Yeah. They are really seriously going fast. Well, that's and you, on bank track, you, like the flat track stuff. It is much lower speed because of the inherent turning issue. Yeah, but it's still pretty fast. I mean, have you ever skated before? Yes. We're playing yeah. hockey. <laughs> yes, I've skated. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, just going at any speed, how dangerous that can be. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, there's. And they actually played that up a lot. There was a, uh, the uh, roller games during the late 80s, early 90s, that was, yeah, very much like they just went full on into pro wrestling as, huh. as, as a part of this. But yeah, but in general, yeah, there's a lot of scripting going on because otherwise there'd be a whole lot of people never being able to play again. Fair enough. Do you have anything you want to throw on this one, Alex, or no? No, not really. Not the biggest K-pop fan? I mean, it's cool and all. I, I can appreciate the K-pop fans doing their thing. Yeah. Were you one of the people that got sent to the, um, after doing Extra Life, like, had to go to the, um, had to is the wrong phrase, but volunteered to do the uh, Asian Media Expo every year? I did. Yes, I did go a few times, I believe. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's cool. The one time I went to that, I'm like, this is too much K-pop for me. <laughs> no, I've got, like, I've got family members who are huge into K-pop. Really? So, oh, yeah. And you talk to them still? Yeah. Like I said, I can appreciate people enjoying their fandom kind of thing, so, sure. Yeah. Also, I mean, K-pop fans have been crushing it. Yeah. I, social I media, so... I appreciate the fan base more than I appreciate the music in some ways. Yeah. So, kudos to them. That does it for emails this week. Uh, send them in. I'm sure we talked about something you found controversial. One less no or something along those lines. Also, yeah, as we've proven time and time again, you can write to us about almost anything and we'll try and talk about it some, so long as it's not, like, too out there or wrong. We haven't got one of those in a long time, though, either, and... I appreciate either our spam filter got better or someone stopped signing us up for weird spam emails, so thank you for that, <laughs> if that's indeed <laughs> But, yeah, I think that does it for this week. Um, another episode of the Wicked Awesome Cast comes to a close. Yeah. Anything you guys want to talk about before we close it out? Um, I guess, I, obviously, my week of WoW got pushed back because of the game release, so until I have a date for the WoW release currently, I don't have a date for my week-long stream of stuff, so just putting that out there for now. 
Did you ever send me the Extra Life link so I can throw that in the podcast notes? No, but I'll put it in the Discord right now. Yeah, throw it to me, and I'll we'll start doing that this week. That's That whole thing is coming up soon, so... We know times are tough for the finances and whatnot for lots of people, but if you feel like giving a little bit, I'm sure the Portland Hospital would deeply appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, yes. It's for the children, goddammit. Anything on your end, Henry? I, if I'm dipped to anything, it'll be on my social media, yeah. which I am Kraken Zero. That is Z E R Zero on Facebook and Instagram. And that's kind of it. That's the only places I'm on it. That's the only places I really keep up with it. And I've been pretty quiet, so I mean, but if I am doing anything like streaming or just up to anything, it'll be on there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, same goes for me. It's Bordak. I'm ORD4K on. Anything worth following me on? Um, Sunday, uh, Saturday streams were still a thing. Thursdays were still on hiatus for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, I don't see that changing anytime in the immediate future, but who knows? Um, there'll probably be a mix of stuff until Destiny drops, and there'll be a shit ton of Destiny, and I don't know what I'm going to do with Cyberpunk yet, because on one hand, part of me thinks, like, hey, you should totally stream you playing Cyberpunk, but also part of me thinks I just want to be allowed to shut up and enjoy that game and then talk about it on the podcast in way too much detail. <laughs> I don't know what my plans for that. Maybe I'll stream Valhalla. That seems like a game I could stream and not like a total asshole playing. <laughs> November's coming! It's, I'm getting excited. We've got a bunch of cool games on the horizon, it seems. And Shadowlands, but yeah. Who wants to close it out this week? I also can give credit to Jeff. He did write in with that little footnote for closing out the podcast. We want to let him do that this time. Uh, He likes to close it out in his emails. I'll let him have it. Fair enough. Courtesy of Jeff. Cue the medal. (laughs) 